Hi, friends. Welcome to Unyielding, a podcast for Pathways to Hope Network. Our goal for this podcast is to connect with mothers of children facing the juvenile court system. We want to use this platform to give a voice to the challenges you're facing while you're learning to navigate the sometimes scary and uncertain world we enter when our child has been charged with a crime. For the next 30 or so minutes, we hope that you will feel seen. We hope that you are reminded of your value and that you leave a little stronger than you arrived. Most importantly, though, we hope to honor the always beautiful, often heart-wrenching, unyielding love that a mother has for her child. If life as a parent is less than perfect right now, if you feel like you are on a hamster wheel, living the same life over and over again like on Groundhog's Day, it may be an indication that it's time to make some shifts in your parenting. These shifts that we're going to talk about today are not shifts that are done in defeat. They're done with one important purpose in mind, and it's something that we've been talking a lot about lately. They are shifts that have your relationship with your child in mind. See, we want to get out of this cycle of kind of behavior consequence, behavior consequence, behavior consequence. It can feel like that is all your relationship has become about. And we want to break that cycle because if we don't get out of that behavior consequence cycle, it will build a wall of resentment 10 feet high between the two of you. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about three practical ways that you can begin to change your parenting style to one that will help support your relationship with your teen better. See, I say this all the time and I can't say it enough. If you wait until the behavior is better to begin working on your relationship, there will be no relationship. And in fact, the relationship is the strongest asset that you have to fight with. And so we want to begin the process of building that again. And so the first suggestion I have came from a book by Mark Gregston called Raising Teens in a Contrary Culture. And in the book, he talks about switching from a parenting model of punishment to a parenting model of discipline. And when he said that, I had a hard time figuring out, well, what's the difference between punishment and discipline? So let me give you some information on that. Punishment is something that is done in anger, and it's very spur of the moment, right? So a couple episodes ago, we talked about when you feel yourself having that reaction, what to do, and how your goal is to not respond until you're in emotionally calm state. So punishment is something that's done in anger. That's it. Your phone's gone for the rest of the week or whatever you happen to be feeling in that moment. So punishment is done in anger. Discipline is done over conversation when emotions are regulated. So do you see the difference between those two things? Discipline is done over conversation 
when emotions are regulated. So their emotions are regulated, your emotions are regulated, and then you sit down and you have a conversation. And there's always two things that are present in the conversation. The first is that there's a lesson. And the second is that there's love. Okay, so there's a lesson behind the conversation and there's love. Punishment is focused on making a child suffer. It's a long-term consequence. I actually did this a couple of weeks ago. I had told my son to turn off the video games and that he was done for the day. And then I came back later on that night and caught him on him. And I was like, that's it. No video games for a month. You don't get to play for a month. Three days later, I caught him on it again. And I was like, that's it. Two months. Now we're going two months. And then I caught him on it again a third time. And I was like, ready to chuck the Xbox into the garbage. I was so frustrated. And then I was like, okay, nope, this isn't working anymore. This isn't productive. We sat down and we had a conversation and I explained to him why I put limits on video games, how, um, how I think it's important for him to be able to use his imagination and to be able to do things away from a screen, kind of what some of my concerns were, that I knew that he liked it and that he had fun on it. And I wanted him to have that time to unwind that way, but that I also wanted to make sure that he was being healthy. And then I asked him, what do you think the consequence should be? And he said, well, um, I think maybe I should have no video games until Christmas. And so that's actually probably close to a two-month mark because this was before I learned we should be doing short-term consequences and not punishing but disciplining. And I said, okay, that sounds good to me. And that was it. And he hasn't gotten back on the Xbox since then. So knock on wood, I think that that went pretty well. Not to say I'm not promising any results because everybody's different. But um, in that situation, that time, it did make a difference. So when we are focused on making our child suffer and there's a long-term consequence, what happens is that the child focuses their anger on the person who's inflicting the consequence rather than the reason for the consequence. So having those conversations are important. Discipline teaches skill and problem solving. So when we're having those conversations, we're opening up dialogue, we're letting them know what our real concerns are. It's not focused on the actual behavior or that they're bad for the behavior. It's more of kind of what's at the heart of the matter for us. So we're teaching skills during that time, and we're also focused on trying to solve problems. It's kind of a proactive approach rather than a reactive approach. And with discipline, it's always a short-term consequence. I think one of the ways that best describes it is that discipline teaches the why. So when we're punishing, when we're angry, we're not really concerning ourselves with explaining the why. It's like you broke the rule, you pay the price. That's it. Discipline is more about teaching the why. And I think personally, there is something to letting your child choose the punishment. A lot of times, 
they end up choosing more than I would have chosen. Because if you know for yourself it's going to be a short-term consequence, and then you let them choose what the punishment or discipline is going to be, then it shifts their anger kind of away from you. It helps them to realize the reasoning behind it, and it gives them an opportunity to have control over a situation. And what teenager doesn't want control over their life. So it's actually pretty effective, this idea of switching from a punishment parenting model to a discipline model. The next one is switching from lectures to discussions. So I'm really great at lecturing and being able to just spout off information and tell them what I think that they need to know. And what we want to do in this parenting model is to kind of switch away from lectures and more into discussions. So your goal when you sit down with your child, instead of your goal being to tell them what they need to do or to tell them what you think, your goal when you sit down with your child is for your child to feel like whatever they are feeling or experiencing matters to you. So your, your goal is to understand what's going on with them. If you had a friend who wasn't returning your calls, you hadn't heard from them in a while, you were kind of worried about what was going on, what would you do with that friend? You wouldn't call them up and say, you're being a really bad friend and you should be here for me and that's not right and I've been worried about you and you're not. No, you wouldn't do that. You would ask questions. You would be like, are you okay? What's going on? Do you need anything? You would ask questions. And the reason that you're asking questions is because you want to get to the heart of the matter. You're not really concerned with why they're not calling or what's going on. You want to know what's really going on with them. And you can only do that by asking questions. And so during that time, when you're switching from lectures to discussions, during that time, your goal is just to listen with no agenda. You tell yourself, I am going to just listen with no agenda. I'm not going to offer any advice. I'm not going to say anything. And I think in the beginning, like we have to really force ourselves to just be quiet and to listen and to ask questions and to make our goal just to understand where they're coming from and not offer any help because offering help is such a default reaction. Your flesh is going to come alive and want so badly to say something, to give the piece of advice, to tell them what they should do. And you have to get in this practice of, nope, it's just about listening. It's just about listening. It's just about sitting with them in their discomfort without doing anything else. And so reminding yourself of that and, and being in that place. Do you see how this could begin to affect your relationship? Don't expect miracles the first time you do this or even like the 25th time you do this. I would say this. I would say if you have tried this with your child, just having a discussion and talking about what's going on with them and how they're feeling when you are both emotionally regulated 50 times and you have not seen any progress in how they speak to you or how they connect with you at all, you've seen zero progress, then maybe it's not going to work. 
But I just don't even think that that's possible because the more that you show up in that capacity, think about it. That's, I mean, that's the power behind what we all do for each other is the way that we show up for each other and that we just listen and how important that is and how valuable it is to feel like you're understood and you're seen without somebody needing to fix you. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. And then the third thing is to switch from a parenting model of telling to a parenting model of sharing. So this is similar to what we talked about in the last episode of going from a manager role to an advisor role. We're really switching for those of you who wonder, like, how does the advisor role look? Because I've only ever been a manager. We're going to talk about that a little bit. This is kind of about switching from telling to sharing. So it's recognizing, you guys, that we aren't them. None of us, not a single one of us, has had the life that our child has had. We did not grow up in this time period. We did not have to deal with the same things that these children have to deal with. We did not have the same families that these children had. Our lives are very different. So we cannot tell them what life should be like. We don't understand firsthand what those pressures are, but we can share our own experiences. And there's actually a difference in the language that we use when we are doing what's considered sharing and when we're doing what's considered telling. So sharing uses language that is rooted in the self. So it's about I, me, or my. So sharing uses language that's rooted in the self. I'm speaking from my personal experiences. It's my story. It's about me. When I share my experiences with somebody, I'm still giving them freedom of choice over how they want to respond. And I don't have an attachment to their thoughts, their ideas, or their perspectives. When I'm sharing, it's about the present moment. It's about the moment right now when I'm sitting in front of my child. Telling often uses language that's focused on the other person. So it's about you or your. You should do this. Your homework needs to blah, blah, blah. When we're telling, a lot of times we're making assumptions. So we're not really knowing exactly what's going on. We're making some assumptions about what we believe is happening as we look through it with our own filter. There's usually some judgment that's present. Like they're either being good or they're being bad or something's right or something's wrong. And there's usually an attachment to the thoughts, ideas, and perspectives of the person that we're talking to. It's also very focused on either the past or on the future. So when you're telling someone something, you're either telling them what they need to be doing in the future or what they already did in the past. Sharing is about the present. It's about this moment, what's happening right now. Telling is is about the past or the future. In his article, Sharing Versus Telling, author Vince Gauman gave some examples of telling and sharing. So I'm going to read them out loud to you. And while hearing them, see if you can kind of feel the energetic 
difference between the two of them, okay? So telling is, why don't you? You should. You shouldn't. You have to. Don't you think that you got to, you seem to always, you keep, why do you always? And sharing is, what works for me is, well, my experience is, I personally wouldn't. I would, what comes up for me is, I'm wondering if this would work for you. I'm feeling that I suggest my concern is I'm noticing what feels like the truth to me is my sense is. So do you see kind of the difference there between the telling and the sharing? So switching from telling to sharing is the third parental model that you may want to consider changing. Okay, so the last thing I want is for it to feel like, oh yeah, she just gave us like three super simple ways to change your life forever. That was not the name of this podcast title. So (laughs) I promise you that's not what I'm saying. And I understand how challenging it is to switch up the parenting game when you've been doing it for so long. But it is worthwhile. You walk away with lessons and opportunities to learn more about yourself and your child. This is why self-care is so important. See, these things that I'm talking about right now, switching from punishment to discipline, from lectures to discussions, from telling to sharing, do you know what they all have in common? They all require energy. And mama, if you are on the hamster wheel, you know what you're plumb out of? Energy. I know you have all heard the saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. Every problem is not yours to solve. And believing that it is, is only going to lead to exhaustion. So you really must take care of yourself during this process or none of this is possible. So what are some ways that you can take care of yourself? What are some small things that you can do and incorporate into your week that are just a little gift for you? You deserve something for yourself. You're working really, really hard. In fact, I saw this meme one time on social media, and it said, being a parent is like jumping out a plane with a bunch of people who don't know how to open their own chutes. So you fly around doing it for them. Then you hit the ground, but you don't die. You get up and you cook dinner. And I thought, yep, that's pretty much what it's like. You're working really hard. 
and you have to take time to give back a little bit to yourself. So sit down tonight as soon as this podcast is over, as soon as you get done listening and make a list of five things you do that make you feel good and then put them in your calendar. Today is the day I take a hot bath. That's what I do on Mondays. That's not really what I do on Mondays, but that's an idea. Wednesdays, I go and have coffee with a girlfriend. So every Wednesday, I have it on my calendar to meet a girlfriend. Thursdays, I crawl into bed early and have a glass of wine and watch a reality TV show. Exercise is a great way for self-care. It's the last thing usually we want to do, but we feel amazing after we do it. Give yourself a walk to go on or watch your favorite show while you walk on the treadmill. Find a way to pour back into yourself because the conversations that need to happen in order to switch from punishment to discipline and from lectures to discussions and from telling to sharing are all going to take energy. They're all going to require something of you. And if you don't have that to give because you're on the hamster wheel, then this is going to be the cycle for the next however many years until it ends. And that's not what you want. It's not what life was meant to be like for you. So think about it. And remember to take things one day at a time. Okay, friends. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening to Unyielding. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way today. If you did, could you show some love to this community of mamas by leaving a review and subscribing? You know how lonely this journey can be. And when you leave positive reviews and subscribe, it makes a big difference in helping other struggling moms out there find us. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's website. The link will always be in the show notes below where you can access an ever-growing library of resources, like a list of local and national resources that may be helpful, a page entirely devoted to frequently asked questions, as well as our blogs that cover a variety of topics. When you visit the page, remember to subscribe so you're added to our monthly newsletter designed to encourage and educate you throughout this process and beyond. You can also find our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram posts designed to help keep you fighting. Remember, family is like life. It's a fight for territory, and once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. Until next week, friends, remember we are stronger together.